What is going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Ant and Big Red vs. the World. As always, I'm Big Red. And as always, I'm Abigail. And it's been a pretty crazy last couple of weeks. Um, got a ton of stuff going on in the NBA and also a ton of stuff going on in the NFL with the Super Bowl going on. Um, so we're saving that NBA madness for next time around. Ant can talk a little bit about what we're going to get into today. Yeah, so today we kind of wrapping up the 2019 or 2018-2019 NFL season. As you guys know, the Super Bowl was on Sunday, and with the Super Bowl comes the Hall of Fame class and um, NFL awards. So that's what we got on the menu today. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting episode. So, I mean, without further ado, we'll kick it right into the Super Bowl recap, or I mean, I guess kind of the soggy cereal bowl that we all watched on Sunday. Um, <laughs> 13 to 3, real barn burner, low Super Bowl, low scoring Super Bowl in history. Uh, the high flying Rams offense got held to a whopping three points. Uh, there was no passing touchdowns in this game. In a game with 32 touchdown regular season Jared Goff and the postseason touchdown leader Tom Brady, we saw no passing touchdowns. Sony Michelle managed to punch it in. Uh, that was kind of a big key of the game for me. It was the Patriots being able to run the ball, and they gashed the Rams for 154 yards, and that was about the only exciting thing about really the whole game. I, Julian Edelman ripped off 10 catches for 141 yards, but it just kind of showed you the nature of the game was pick up chunk yards here and there, and Hopefully you can get into field goal range, but I, there really wasn't a much, much a whole lot going for either team. Yeah. So this is this was literally the worst Super Bowl I've ever watched. <laughs> Not more, much more to say. I mean, it started off with an interception by the Rams, which gave us the impression that this was going to be an exciting game and something that's going to be something to remember. But after that, it was just all downhill. Um, there was no, there's no offense. The offense has decided to not show up, and had it not been for Julian Edelman going off for ten ish catches, 140 yards, there is serious consideration that a punter could have won <laughs> Super Bowl MVP. If it if it stayed three zero, a punter could have been Super Bowl MVP. So that just gives you an indication on how bad this game was. Um, had it not been for Tony Romo kind of being sarcastic and stuff and keeping us entertained. <laughs> Um, probably would have fell asleep <laughs> and um, a little bit of a shout out to the halftime show because that also sucked so all the way around the Super Bowl was just bad not fun to watch going into it it was already one that um, guys like me who don't really have a connection to either team didn't really want to watch anyway so just to get that um, thrown in our faces was kind of upsetting and even though it was a it was a game where there was no offense, it kind of kept us watching because it was three zero, then it was six three. So we we're kind of sitting there waiting, like, oh, something might happen. There might be a lead change. There might be something that pops off, and there never really was. So, um, just disappointing. Uh, I guess shout out to the Patriots for getting the W, getting their sixth ring. Tom Brady gets his sixth ring. Julian Edelman, Super Bowl MVP, well deserved for him, and. The evil empire reigns in the most evilest way you can imagine. Yeah, it, uh, six rings for the Pats, for Brady and Belichick. I mean, congrats to them. Bill Belichick really showed in this game that he is the coaching goat. Like, that. there's not 
Hey, Sean McVay coming in as the that that's probably there's probably there's a few good things that have come out of this game for me at least. Sean McVay was outcoached handily and kind of puts a little bit of a hold on this offensive revolution that we were kind of seeing. I mean, the Chiefs managed to look legit still against uh, against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, but I mean. Andy Reid's been around a little bit longer. He kind of knows the system. So it puts Sean McVay's new new era on hold just a little bit. Kind of showed us that Jared Goff is indeed a bum. Um, I didn't like him coming in. I was very irritated that they managed to cheat their way. I guess not cheat their way. Luck their way by the Saints. Um, kind of ruined the Super Bowl for me. But uh, <laughs> I, positive sides, I guess. Corey Littleton had that pick, 10 tackles. Um but the Patriots defense just ravaged the Rams all game. Four sacks, 12 QB hits, eight passes defended, seven tackles for loss. I mean, that's an absurd stat line for a team. Uh, boring, boring Super Bowl. Halftime show was just atrocious. I, Travis Scott, I'm decently a fan of your music, but I mean, he really had to do the entire world like that with the SpongeBob intro, and then we didn't even get to see yeah. Sweet Victory. I insult the injury a little bit there. It was all around a bad day. Yeah. I mean, in Travis's defense, um, he probably wasn't the one that made that call, but yeah, definitely sad to get teased like that. Rather it just not have been shown. Exactly. But, um, Super Bowl. I mean, if you're really into defense and hate offense, this was definitely the Super Bowl for you. So um, I guess kind of with, the worst Super Bowl ever out of the way. We can kind of move into something more exciting, which is the M- the MVP awards, the NFL awards, which does include the MVP, obviously. Um, not much, so not many surprises here, but the names are a little interesting though. So um, I'll kind of let you take it from here. Yeah, and so I mean, we'll just kind of run through some of the more notable ones. MVP, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City. Um, we're not going to talk much about the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, but Chris Long won that out in Philly. Um, great stand-up guy. Hopefully you saw the ceremony before the Super Bowl. Um, Coach of the Year was Matt Nagy for the Chicago Bears. Uh, Comeback Player of the Year, Andrew Luck. Offensive Player of the Year, Pat Mahomes, MVP as well. Kind of put two and two together. Uh, Defensive Player of the Year, Aaron Donald. And Offensive Rookie of the Year, Saquon Barkley. And then also a shout-out to Darius Leonard on the Colts for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Kind of surprising everybody, but well-deserved led league in tackles. Um, yeah, so, I mean, those are kind of all the awards. And then I might as well just start with the MVP. I can kind of let you take it away from here, Ant. Yeah, so the MVP was really no surprise. Patrick Mahomes taking that home to Kansas City. Back to the Chiefs. He had an incredible season. And this award race was a little disappointing for me anyway because of how it floundered towards the end of the season. I mean, leading up to probably around like week 13-ish around then, um, it was neck and neck, Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes. And um, Drew Brees was actually who I picked to win the MVP prior to the season. So obviously I was rooting for him. And then he just decided to kind of flop. I guess there is still somewhat of an argument for him for MVP, but I don't really see it because... Uh, Pat Mahomes just took over. So, I mean, shout out to him. Well-deserved. Only 23 years old. The third youngest, I believe, to win MVP behind Jim Brown and Jim Brown. So, that's kind of crazy. And um, definitely has more MVPs in his future. 
So shout out to Patrick. Mahomes. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely does. I mean, Drew Brees was kind of close, I guess, but I, I tailed off near the end, which was a little bit disappointing. But I mean, it's really going to be tough to beat the 5,000 yards and 50 touchdown club over there for Pat Mahomes. So I mean, well-deserved MVP for him. Uh, from there, the next one that I kind of wanted to touch on, just because it was an obvious one, we'll kind of get it out of the way. Defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald. Uh, 20 and a half sacks is a single season record for a defensive tackle. Uh, 18 was the record that he broke. I, just another phenomenal season for Aaron Donald. I mean, you saw it all throughout the playoffs, too. I, that that dude is the driving force for that Rams defense. I mean, it's he once-in-a-lifetime player, for sure, at the defensive tackle position. Yeah, and I mean, guys like Aaron Donald and Cleo Mack, like dudes that can just single-handedly transform a defense. Um, in Aaron Donald's case, it's a little more significant because he could pretty much make a, a defense elite just on his shoulders alone. And I mean, this award really wasn't up for debate. It was all his. It was his to lose, and he didn't lose it. So shout out to Aaron Donald. Um, my favorite thing about him, I guess, is probably his neck and how thick his neck is. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a huge neck if you've never seen it. So yeah, shout out to him. Monster on the D-line. Um, you saw that in the Super Bowl, too. He was just making Br- Tom Brady's night just super uncomfortable. So shout out to him. Um I, I hope he stays in L.A. for a while, but uh, we'll see about that. Yeah, I think he will. I think the Rams would be a little silly to let him go. But, uh, I mean, you never know. Uh, from Yeah, I mean, the Raiders, the Raiders traded Cleo Mack. Yeah, I guess that's true, but the, the Raiders are bad. The Rams just lost the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, either way, moving on to Offensive Rookie of the Year was – Probably a closer race than most people thought midway through the season. Um, Saquon Barkley deservingly won it. Um, but I had another guy that I kind of thought was pretty close. But I'll let you speak on Saquon a little bit first, Ant. Yeah, so coming into the season, um, it was pretty much consensus that it was Saquon's to lose. Um, he was the leader for the whole duration of the preseason. Once he was drafted to the end of the season, he was the leader and never lost position. And um, it looked like in the middle of the season that nobody was even really going to catch him. But then Baker Mayfield happened. He took off. He eventually ended up breaking the rookie passing touchdown record. And um, it's just is super cool that Baker Mayfield was able to come out and do this and actually make somewhat of an argument for himself to win the offensive rookie of the year. Like, obviously, it should still go to Saquon. But, I mean, it wasn't as lopsided as it was looking. And lopsided races aren't the funnest so i mean it's interesting um baker and saquon bet a chain on whoever would win so i guess baker (laughs) saquon a chain for that it's gonna be a big old chain with all the money those two got (laughs) uh yeah i mean saquon absolutely deserving i mean when you run for 1300 yards and 11 touchdowns on five yards of carry your rookie year and then on top of that receive 720 yards i mean it's that's 2,000 yards from scrimmage as a rookie. I, that's that's pretty unbelievable. Um, so definitely deserving of that award. But, I mean, it was really cool to see Baker Mayfield step into the post-Hugh Jackson Browns locker room and win some games for him and set that touchdown record and give Cleveland hope. I mean, you had a rookie that threw for 3,700 yards and 27 touchdowns and only 14 picks and looked good doing it. I mean, it, 
definitely something to be excited about for Cleveland fans, even if Baker Mayfield doesn't get the chain or to take home that hardware. <laughs> yeah, um, something real quick too. If Baker Mayfield like started the season um, as a starter, do you think he would have won the award? Because he would he how many games did he um, was he sitting He's, out? He basically he started thirteen games. Um, came in yeah. in the second half came of in. the third and led him to the win against the Jets. Yeah, so that's a whole few games that he could have put up stats on. So that that would have been interesting to see a little bit because I feel like if Baker would have started um, the season as a starter, there would have been more of a debate um, throughout the season. And I mean, um, the what I feel like for Baker, what he missed out on was he didn't really start getting the hype until after pretty much the season was wrapped up. So I feel like that kind of hurt his chances a little bit at winning it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing to consider, though, is a huge part of what Baker Mayfield's second-half surge was was supposedly that Hugh Jackson was gone. And so he would have started five games with Hugh Jackson. Yeah. Uh, so you never know. I mean, that the thing. I'm just glad that it played out the way it did. I, I'm not sure. I think I would have rioted if Baker Mayfield played for Hugh Jackson those first five games and was just horrible. <laughs> uh, yeah well i guess good good for him <laughs> he, l- he lucked out he, he played limited games under yeah. Hugh Jackson. <laughs> all right so um from here from i guess we can go from offensive rookie of the year to defensive rookie of the year one that also kind of wasn't really much of a debate for which is darius leonard with the colts um coming into the season i he wasn't really on my personal radar and wasn't really on a lot of other people's radars, but I mean, he came out and had a crazy season. Um, some stats, real quick. I think he had it was like seven sacks, two interceptions, four force, four force fumbles. Uh, that's a mouthful right there, um, which is a lot for, especially for a rookie. So I mean, he came out and the identity of the Colts' defense changed, and he was the anchor for a lot of that. So. I mean, well-deserved. Um, like I said, wasn't really any other competition, maybe Derwin James. But other than that, he pretty much had it sealed up. Yeah, and I, I love Darius Leonard. I, and there's a couple fantasy leagues I'm in that have defensive players. And you know, Darius Leonard was my defensive player, and that dude was a baller. I mean, they only get you a few points, but every week I could count on maybe something special happening with all those picks and sacks and things that he had. Uh, Darius Leonard was legit. You said it yourself. He transformed the Colts defense. I mean, it uh, it was awesome to see. I mean, in in the playoffs, the Colts defense actually looked looked like it was almost more of a driving force than their offense. Now, I think part of that's because of the weak weapons that Andrew Luck had. But uh, either way, Darius Leonard was an animal. I mean, I Derwin James, maybe Bradley Chubb broke Von Miller's sack record. I mean, it's. There's a couple other storylines you could maybe go with, but overall, all-around player Darius Leonard won it, and I wouldn't be surprised to look out in the future for being in contention for all-pro and linebacker or even defensive player of the year. Yeah, defensive player of the year wouldn't surprise me at all um, if it came to him in the future. Um, so I guess going from uh, one Colt to the other, um, Andrew Luck winning AP Comeback Player of the Year, which um something I kind of slept on personally. I didn't really consider Andrew Luck much. 
I mean, I feel like I should have considered him more, considering he's coming off of pretty much sitting out two years. Yeah, but I mean, that's so um, with that said, you could kind of take it from there. Yeah, and Andrew Luck had a phenomenal season. Took the Colts to the playoffs with the assistance of Darius Leonard and the improving Colts defense. I mean, it was it was something special to watch. The dude hadn't played in basically two years. I mean, it absolutely. It is absolutely it was a storybook comeback for Andrew Luck. I mean, if they could have stretched their playoff run longer, of course he gets the happily ever after. But I, for now, the Colts have a very promising future and actually seem to be getting a little bit better of an offensive line to protect him. And I, I, I honestly, there's a couple other guys you could definitely talk about J.J. Watt, but I mean, I, I for me, it was Andrew Luck had to be comeback player of the year this year. Yeah, and I mean, hopefully he does get that offensive line because um, the absence of offensive line was kind of what led him to the injury-stricken kind of run he had. And um, when he had a team, they made, he made it. The Colts made it to the AFC Championship, so it'll be interesting to see how this defense develops and if he ends up getting more offensive weapons, how far the Colts will end up going. Yeah, definitely going to be something to keep an eye on in the future. I mean, I. It almost seems like a moot point with the Patriots seeming to win every year, but I mean, it, up and comers in the AFC with the Chiefs and the Colts now. Yeah, for sure. So um, I guess we can get into another up and coming team similar to the Colts, which is the Bears. And the Bears coach, Matt Nagy, took home coach of the year. And this is probably the only award where there is pretty much any sort of debate it wasn't a clear-cut winner there was multiple guys that could have won it and there's also a lot more that should have been in consideration at the very least so um from there um you could kind of throw out a couple of names of coaches that you think either should have won it or could have so won yeah it. i mean like you said i this one was very up in the air there's a lot of people well deserving and i i think that matt Nagy was absolutely one of them i mean he Took the Bears from five and eleven to twelve and four, won the division, uh, three seed in the NFC. Was, was very strong this year. Um, I absolutely deserves all the praise in the world. Um, did did a very good job. I, I think Vic Fangio, his defensive coordinator, deserved a ton of credit as well for making their defense basically the reason that they got there got him in, um, which is what kind of sucks a little bit because Matt Nagy's an offensive coach, but their defense is what carried him. Uh, so, I mean, if, if there was anything that bugged me about Matt Nagy winning, it would be that. But again, very deserving. Uh, brought the locker room together. There's a couple names that I would kind of have thought maybe deserved a little bit more consideration. Uh, Andy Reid, 12-4 Chiefs. I mean, they went from 10-6 and to 12-4, and but they had the number one offense in the NFL. Uh, and Andy Reid is an offensive coach. And then on top of that, he had a first-year starting quarterback in MVP Mahomes, which that takes a little bit of coaching too with your quarterback's coach and making sure he has the confidence. And it was the Chiefs and Andy Reid's choice to have him sit behind Alex Smith for a year. So, I mean, I think the Chiefs were definitely deserving of consideration. And then also back to the Colts, uh, Frank Reich, I mean, took a 4-12 and team, from last year and made them 10 and six and into the playoffs. They had a top 15 defense and they started the season one and five and then made the playoffs the first team in history to do that. So I thought that was pretty cool. So that definitely deserved consideration as well. And then I, there's a bunch of other names I and mean, you could toss out Pete Carroll. You could toss out Sean Payton. I mean, there are lots of options. 
Yeah. Um, Vic uh, Van Gio actually won assistant coach of the year. Deservedly so. so. Um, yeah, deservedly so. So that kind of it, it looks a little sus for Matt Nagy, but I mean, like you said, he kind of turned around this Bears, not him by himself single handedly, but being the head coach, um, turned around this Bears team into a playoff team. But a coach that I feel like should have won it over him was Frank Reich. Um, seeing what the Colts did this season is crazy. Like you said, it's never happened. So I feel like if a coach is able to do something that's never happened before, um, that's that impressive. He should have at least had more consideration than what he had, if not winning it. Um, one that I thought didn't get a, enough recognition is Pete Carroll because no one was really expecting anything from the Seahawks this year and they ended up making the playoffs and should have won a playoff game, but um, we'll kind of leave that out. And although I hate I hate him, Jason Garrett, feel like he should have got a little bit more consideration too. The Cowboys were kind of in the same situation as the Colts. Um, not as dramatic, I guess. Uh, not as um, extensive, whatever, however you want to say it. But they're in a simi- similar situation where they had to go on this run and whatever to make the playoffs. And not only make the playoffs, but win their division. Um, so I feel like he should have had a little bit more consideration. Even though I don't hate him. I, or even though I hate him, I don't think he's a good coach at all. Um, you can't really deny that that he had some part in that, I guess. I mean, if you want to say it's a little or a lot, he is the head coach, so um, he is a part of that. But, I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from Matt Nagy because he is deserving. I just feel like Frank Reich should have won it. Yeah, absolutely, and Frank Reich was one of mine. I mean, I it it is it's tough to drive a narrative, and I think – I think that Matt Nagy turning the Bears all the way around to win their division, too, is something that's kind of special. I mean, and it's not an easy division with Green Bay and Minnesota, so I definitely got to have props there. I, the Chiefs had already won their division last year, I mean, but the Colts were 4-12 and last year, so I think that Frank Reich probably had the best case outside of Matt Nagy. Yeah, for sure. No disagreement for me there. Um I guess a real real quick shout-out to my favorite low-key award real fast is the Bridgestone Clutch Performance Play of the Year, which obviously went to the Miami Miracle, which <laughs> the Miami Dolphins, it happened against the Patriots, who just won the Super Bowl. So shout-out to the Dolphins. Um, they do have 300-to-1 odds to win the Super Bowl next year, which is funny to me because it just kind of felt like the odds makers were bowling <laughs> dolphins i mean teams like the raiders and cardinals had better odds but i mean shout out to them they're on the award board i <laughs> guess they got some they got some hardware to take home yeah i guess one more shout out to touchdown celebration of the year it's the yeah. seahawks let's get it uh we didn't uh, take home a whole lot of hardware but that was one of the one of the big ones so that was pretty cool to just get that overall recognition of the excitement after the touchdown. Yeah, so shout out to the Seahawks for that. <laughs> uh, so I guess with the awards kind of wrapped up, we'll get into a different segment where the players here have won a lot of awards, which is the 2019 NFL Hall of Fame class. Um, headliners, Tony Gonzalez, Ed Reed, Champ Bailey. Um, the interesting thing is those three guys were all on their first year on the ballot. So that's interesting to me, at least um, after doing that segment on the MLB play- or playoffs um, Hall of Fame, where they also had, it was Roy Halladay, Mariano Rivera, um, 
Th- those were the only two that were first ballot, correct? Yeah, it was Halliday and Mariano. And I mean, uh, you easily yeah. could have made the argument that it was Halliday's passing that gave him such a strong push on the first ballot. Not that he wasn't deserving, but I, baseball, baseball Hall of Fame inductions are a lot more weighted like they they i feel like they let people they'll let people sit on there because they'll look at him and be like oh they'll get in eventually you know they're gonna get the votes but i want to give mine to these other some other people this time around and uh, the nfl is kind of more cut and dry like these dudes are hall of famers they're getting in let's go yeah so i mean that's one thing the nfl does right i guess they don't play around with getting the hall of famers in the hall of fame so shout out to them for getting that right three first ballots um ty law Kevin Maui, their third ballot, their their third year on the ballot. So um, not a lot of waiting time for those guys. And I mean, you could take it from here, get into a few more names that also got in. Yeah. Um, uh, the Broncos owner, Pat Bolin, uh, Dallas Cowboys executive, Gil Brandt, and chief safety, Johnny Robinson, um, all also got selected. So a couple of office guys there. And um, I, it's... It was a relatively large class. I mean, eight inductees. Um, I don't know a ton about Bolin or Johnny Robinson. Uh, Kevin Mawe, I know a little bit about. Um, Ty Law, cornerback for the Patriots. Definitely, they're good names to get in. Ones that I wasn't super recognizable for me right off the bat. But, I mean, the the big headlines, Ed Ed Reed, Champ Bailey, and Tony Gonzalez. I mean, those are guys from my younger days playing Madden and things like that. I mean, even just being a Seahawks fan, Tony Gonzalez constantly making plays. I mean, I can remember him ripping off like a 30-yard catch in the uh, divisional round of Russell Wilson's rookie year right after we took the lead and then follows that's the game-winning field goal for the Falcons. Uh, So Tony Gonzalez, legendary receiver. Uh, Champ Bailey, one of the best cornerbacks of all time. And Ed Reed, I... Hands down, one of my favorite safeties, right up there with Brian Dawkins. I mean, it, it, it awesome Hall of Fame class. Yeah, for sure. I mean, everybody that got in, I mean, I feel like there's no argument as to if they should have been there at all. Um, Tony Gonzalez, arguably the greatest tight end, tight end of all time. I mean, as of now, his probably only competition is Antonio Gates and maybe Gronk. But um, he kind of has that sealed up, really. So shout out to Tony Gonzalez, um, Champ Bailey, aka Clamp Bailey. I feel like he's more of the low key defensive players of all time. I feel like if he kind of had that personality, the out there personality, he could have like he would have been recognized as one of the greatest more than he is now. Um, like if he had the personality of like a Deion Sanders or something like that. Um, but I mean, one of the greatest corners of all time. And then Ed Reed. Personally, my second favorite defensive player behind Charles Woodson. Um, shout out to Charles Woodson. He's my favorite football player of all time also. Um, just a little sign out personal info for me. But, uh, Ed Reed, um, I don't, there's something I just really like about seeing Ed Reed in a Ravens uniform. I mean, he kind of like embodies the Ravens. I mean, when you think about the Ravens, you, have, you think about Ray Lewis and Ed Reed pretty much. And then his like kind of homeless guy look where he had his hair all grown out and his beard all grown out and it was black and gray and stuff like that. I mean, that's signature Ed Reed right there. And then something on Ty Law. I feel like Ty Law is um, kind of the mo- one of the more underrated corners of all time. I always remember playing like Madden 
like 05 through 07 and Ty Law was just a monster. I always tried like drafting him when I would do fantasy drafts. So shout out to Ty Law um, and all the other guys that made it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's always nice to see the NFL legends getting recognized. And I mean, it's, as it's kind of interesting now, I mean, as we're getting older, we're starting to see these guys that we played, played with, played Madden with literally, or like saw on TV and we're just awestruck with these athletes saying, and they're guys that we were first watching football and first seeing, and now they're starting to get into the hall of fame. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, the, when I first started feeling old was when I saw dudes like Lonzo Ball that were my age getting drafted into the NBA. And then when I started feeling really old is when I see dudes that I watched growing up playing football, basketball, baseball, getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. So a little bit of, little bit of a sad note right there, but uh, we all get older. So I guess shout out to these guys. Amazing careers. Um, deserving, deserving of a Hall of Fame. Yeah, 100%. Um, and so I guess kind of last thing moving on from the NFL Hall of Fame inductions, uh, Big Red's got a bust, and for L.A. fans, it's a little disappointing. Uh, Todd Gurley, right, this dude, every chance we've gotten to talk about him, I've blown this dude up, said he's one of the best running backs in the NFL. <laughs> I love Todd Gurley. Dude's a freak athlete. I don't know what this playoff performance was, but it was absolutely horrible. I I guess I shouldn't say absolutely horrible. It was just pretty, pretty bad and embarrassing. I mean, he finished the playoffs um, with thirty-four cut, thirty-four touches for one hundred and sixty-five yards. Uh, one hundred and forty-six of those yards, or not one hundred and forty-six. Excuse me, one hundred and fifteen of those yards came against Dallas on sixteen carries, a game in which C.J. Anderson out-touched him 23-16 to 16 and also went for 123. I mean, it against the Saints, against the Saints and the Patriots, Todd Gurley totaled 50 yards. I mean, it... Todd Gurley was a dude that people were ready to argue for running back MVP. I, Todd Gurley has monster regular season numbers. And now I'm kind of starting to worry a little bit that maybe he's like Jared Goff. Maybe he's a system running back. I, I don't necessarily think that because he is a freak athlete and has done some amazing things. But to lay two big fat duds in the two biggest games of your life, it major big red bust right there. Yeah, it was super disappointing. I mean, you heard the reports that maybe he's injured and stuff, but he came out and Sean McVay came out and said that he was 100%. So knowing that, it was very disappointing to see that. I mean, there were moments where he broke off a few, like, 10-yard runs. Um, not Maybe not a few, maybe, like, one or two. And you're th- we're, I was thinking, like, oh, maybe he's going to get going. The Rams offense is going to get going. But and then it, nothing really happened after that. So it was sub- super disappointing, super weird that he only got 10, 11 carries. Um, I guess those touches are partly on um, – the play calling as well but I mean when you're not producing anything on the touches you do get you can't really expect much so big bust for sure on Todd Gurley yeah absolutely and I think Todd Gurley's lackluster performance kind of summed up the Super Bowl as well um, but yeah I mean that's all I got you got anything left Ant yeah I'm gonna throw a big but or a big red bust in there actually right. as well the Super Bowl ha- the Super Bowl halftime show we have we have to we have to bust it. It was just bad. 
getting teased with sweet victory and then to just have Travis Scott performing sicko mode, super annoying. Um, on Reddit, they're just filled with memes for the next like two days of just Super Bowl memes <laughs> of, of um, like it's like the the guy that's looking at the girl that has his girlfriend or whatever. It's like he has the S labeled on him, and then it's Sweet Victory, his girlfriend, and then he's looking at sicko mode. So it's just stuff like that. Just the NFL getting clowned, and I mean. When uh, the memes are better than the game and the halftime performance, that's huge bust material. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, 100%. I, and this halftime show had potential for bust the entire time. I mean, when Maroon 5 is their scramble last-ditch performer, it's people dropping out. I mean, it's it, it was a recipe for disaster. I mean, Jay-Z told Travis Scott he probably shouldn't go perform. And I, at this point, you know, Jay-Z, you... We're very much right. I wish that he had not performed either. I, I said it earlier. I, I like some of Travis Scott's music, but I, I hated the SpongeBob intro. Whether it was his fault or not, uh, it's irrelevant. Almost a bigger bust than Todd Gurley. Uh, you know, it is a it is a bigger yeah, it, bust. it's close. It, it might, it it's might close. be a bigger bust than Todd Gurley, <laughs> right there. The halftime show is absolute garbage. Yeah, it would have been complete garbage, utter garbage if Big Boy didn't save it with the 30 seconds he is allowed to perform. <laughs> I mean, coming up coming up in the whip with the fur coat on, that was legendary vintage Big Boy right there. So shout out Big Boy, shout out Outcast, shout out Atlanta, because <laughs> that was really the silver lining of the halftime show right there. Yeah, I could not agree more. Uh, so I guess with all that done, um, that kind of does it for us on this episode, a little shorter, um, just keeping it uh, a little short on some of the NFL stuff because the Super Bowl wasn't really anything. So um, we'll be back later with some more interesting NBA news. And until then, I'm Average Ant. And I'm Big Red. And we'll see you next time.